Welcome into the His and Hers podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my sister Paige. And today we have a wonderful week four NFL recap episode discussing all that happened in this week of NFL football, including Kenny Pickett's debut against the New York Jets in a loss. The Falcons getting out to a 2-2 two two start and beating the Brown. Bills coming back against the Ravens and winning 20. The domination of the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buccaneers. The Broncos slow start and the Raiders picking up their first win. And the 49ers establishing a hold early hold on the division in the NFC West when all teams are 2-2. Two and two. We discuss that and more here on this episode of the His and Hers podcast. All right, Paige, like I said, there's a lot of disparity in the league where uh, I believe I saw the stat today where there's 17 teams that have started two and two. Not many teams are have started much better. Not many have started much worse. But in your mind, looking at the week four games, what games or games stood out to you the most of having the most weight and showing you what a team has uh, in terms of their, I guess, potential for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think top of mind uh, is Bills Ravens for me, as well as the Chiefs Bucks. Um, Bills Ravens, interesting, because I think one of the storylines that we've all been hearing a lot about um, all season and for the past few years is that the Bills can't win in close games, that they are, if they are up by a heavy amount, then they'll always pull it out. But if they are in a close game, they're always going to come out with a loss. And so um, I think that it was a big game for the Bills fans to kind of silence that storyline and that headline that's been circulating a lot for them. Obviously, down by 17 in the first half uh josh allen able to rally a touchdown with a minute 47 left going into halftime which kind of propelled them forward cutting it to only a 10 point lead um and then yeah the bills defense was just amazing in the second half and completely dominated and josh allen team were able to get some more points and so i just thought that that was a really telling sign of where those two teams are at um, and just kind of cementing that like, yeah, the Bills had a weird loss against the Dolphins, but you know what, they're still the Bills and they're still really good and they're a good team with a good defense and they're going to do a lot of great play this year. Um, and I also think it was telling for the Ravens of like, it's a pretty big deficit to blow a 17 point lead. Like that's a pretty difficult game to lose when you have such an amazing first half. Um, and so it's interesting just seeing kind of how there's been a, quite a few teams this season where we've seen these heavy, heavy uh, advantages from a points perspective that they've given up in the second half. Yeah, I think that this game was really important for the Bills because if you look at the games that they have upcoming, they um, early lines indicate they're going to be about a two-touchdown favorite at home against the Steelers, which we'll get into the Steelers and why that is. But then they get into a stretch where three of their next four games uh, are are difficult. They play at, they play in Arrowhead against the Chiefs. They then have a bye and play at home against the Packers on Sunday Night Football. So you know, two games, it'll be really tough. They then play the Jets in New York, which may seem like it would be a pretty easy game 
but the Jets seem to be better this year as well as they always seem to give uh, Buffalo problem, particularly when they're playing in New York. And then they play at home against the Vikings. Um, and so the three out of the next four games are going to be on the, on the dip, more difficult side. And so in a game that they, in a way, gave away um, to the Dolphins, they, they, they would have been hard for them to get the number one seed, which I know is their goal for the year. If they were to start two and two and then face the next two opponents where maybe they even out of three and three. So now they're setting themselves up where if they can get out of the Packers week, split that Packers and chiefs game, uh chief game, win one, lose the other and, and finish that at about four and two. I think they feel pretty good about where their season's at. And the reason I say that I feel that their focus is getting that number one seed mainly just goes back to the fact that, the, one of the main reasons I lost in the divisional round against the Chiefs was because they're playing an arrowhead. And so I think they know it's very important for them to be in Buffalo, to make teams travel to them, particularly like if the Dolphins are going to be in the mix. Uh, any teams that play in a little bit warmer weather having to come up to Buffalo. I mean, even Kansas City is cold, but Buffalo right on the river, that city, the windshield, like obviously the stadium isn't right next to the river, but the the lake, excuse me, not river. But in that area with a lot of snow, the temperatures get pretty cold. They obviously want teams to make them travel there. But I'm a little concerned about the Ravens. Just, I mean, this is the second double-digit uh, game that they've given up in the second half, both at home. Um, kind of funky for a team that has a really good quarterback and a really good head coach. Yeah, interesting stat. I think the Ravens have lost the last five home games. They're own five for their last five. So that is really weird. I, <laughs> they just I, yeah, I did see that somewhere too. For teams, for that usually is not the case for most teams. Usually, uh, that home field advantage is good. It seems to be opposite for Baltimore as of late. <laughs> um, do you? What would you put the? Obviously, it's week four. The two and two. They got Lamar Jackson. But if you were to assess like a panic meter, say you you were through the biased like lens of a Ravens fan, would what has happened this year give you any cause for concern? Um, I don't know. I I don't think so. I think that I mean every team is going to have uh, these ups and downs. The Bills are a really really good team, um, but I just think that with a quarterback like Lamar Jackson that there's always promise he's always going to pull you through. And I just think overall, like obviously can some concerns on the defensive side, but also sometimes defenses will just have like a bad half and it is a negative impact. But as a Ravens fan, I wouldn't be panicked yet. I still think that they have a lot of weapons in, in Baltimore that they'll, that they're building around. And I think like with John Harbaugh as a coach that you just kind of have trust. Um, and so I, I'm not hitting panic button on Ravens. Yeah. Yeah. You know, John Harbaugh's proven to be able to steady the ship. Um, Lamar Jackson's proven to be a winner when, when they're in, it is really interesting. They lost the last of five. I didn't, I, I remember I heard that stat and it's still, obviously it goes back to a couple of games where Lamar was out, but still two and all on the road to oh and two at home. And what's interesting is they finished, they began their season playing all four AFC East teams started with um, the jets. Then they play the dolphins at home. Um, and then they went to who'd be the other team who they play week three, the Patriots on the road, and then they just uh, lost the Bills. So kind of a funky start to the season playing all four AFC teams in a row. You don't really see that. Yeah, 
Yeah, I am curious on your thoughts of uh, Harbaugh's decision to go for it on that fourth and two instead of just letting the best kicker in the NFL uh, give you three points. Yeah, I typically land on the on the more aggressive side where I, I think, um, you know, it, it, hindsight or the, you play the result, right? Because Harbaugh and Lamar have had clips go viral where he's asking if if Lamar wants to go for it and it works out for him. You know, the, the Seattle game from Lamar's MVP season and last year against the Chiefs come to mind. So when it works, you're the hero. And when you don't, um, you're kind of... Uh, you know, you 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 get the label based on how it works out for you. I I think it was the right decision because I think if you look at the flow of the game, the Buffalo Bills were running a ton of plays in the second half. The defense was getting moved down the field, and look what happened from when they turned the ball over. You know, Lamar throws that pick, and they drive all the way down, run all of the timeout, and kick a field goal. So obviously, he had a good sense on how that game was going to go. The only thing I didn't think he planned for was he was thinking, okay. If we, you know, if we run the ball, throw an incompletion here, um, the worst case, they're going to get the ball on the one or two yard line. But since Lamar threw that pick, they got it out to the 25. So then all of a sudden it was a little bit bigger of a swing than he was initially planning on. So I don't think it was a poor decision by Lamar. If he didn't have anything, throw it out the back of the end zone, because then you maybe potentially can force a defense to play and get the ball back um, in good field position. So a tough spot. I, I mean, going kicking field goal would have got, gave you the lead. So I could definitely see that side of it as well. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like, I love an aggressive coach. I love making smart decisions, but I also think that when you're going up against a quarterback like Josh Allen, and you know, that in like that in that those final minute drives that he's going to do something, at least get you a field goal. I just feel like take the field goal, like take the points. There's still four minutes left. Josh Allen can, if he does get down the field, like trust in your defense that they're going to like stop them and get them just a field goal. So you have a chance to go into overtime and win that game. And so like, I understand that like, yeah, it's just kind of like the Harbaugh Jackson way people loved. And if, and if they'd gone for it and Jackson had thrown a touchdown, we'd probably all being like, Oh, genius move to go for it on fourth and two. But yeah. just one of those things where I just feel like, I don't know, sometimes I think it's okay to play it safe. And I think the safe thing obviously would have been to kick that field goal, especially it's like, it's different for every other team. But when you have Justin Tucker as your kicker, like give him those opportunities to give your team chances to win. Yeah, no, I, uh, I definitely don't disagree um so be very interesting to see where the season kind of plays out for both these teams the obviously as mentioned the bills schedule but the ravens uh in the coming week they have a big uh home test continuing that home trend but they play sunday night football against the Bengals. joe burrows who'll be coming into town uh who are coming off that little mini buy then they're at the giants home against the browns against the bucks and the saints so it's going to be a little back and forth or two and two right now. And it's kind of looking at their schedule, you know, are they going to be kind of a yo-yo team going back and forth between above 500, 500, above 500. You think a team with that talent wouldn't, but when you give up two fourth quarter uh, double digit leads, um, this is kind of what the season will break down for you. Uh, my next question for you, is there a quarterback controversy in Dallas? Cooper Rush improves the four and oh, as the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, 3-0 this season. The Cowboys are out to a 3-1 start after beating down the Commanders, and they have a big test this coming Sunday against the Rams. But if you're Dak Prescott, knowing – I think what's funny about it is knowing how you won your job 
from Tony Romo by him sustaining an injury, you going in and winning and winning and winning. Are you nervous if you're Dak Prescott? No, I just don't think like Cooper Rush, like he sealed himself as the perfect backup quarterback. Like we've all known that Cooper Rush is just not a franchise quarterback. And to be honest, I feel like Cooper Rush knows that about himself, but he just gave himself like 20 years of job security. Like he's performed well, but it's just like, I don't know. You're you're paying Dak Prescott way too much money to have him sit on the sidelines and have Cooper Rush in there. Like you're gonna put Dak back in, and I think that the offense is gonna be just as productive with with Dak. I think that he's had an effect even with being on the sideline. And so, I think that no, I think it's a fun talking point of like, oh, well, they bench the starter that they're paying hundreds of millions of dollars for and play the backup guy, the cute underdog story, but. No, I think that Cooper Rush has done his job. Like, that's what you have. That's why you pay a good backup QB. That's why you have them in your lineup so that in the instances like this where your main starter goes down, that they can fill in and still have a productive offense. So I think that obviously it's been great for Cooper Rush to be able to have them undefeated in his time, um, but then also just setting them up for success for when Dak comes back to kind of propel them forward. Yeah, obviously um, on the season – over, through three games, 60% completion percentage, 737 yards, four touchdowns, and uh, no interceptions, which obviously uh, with a team that has such a talented defense with Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs in the secondary, um, and they got great linebacker play. It's a team that really, if you look at the the games that they've played, um, well, obviously they won 25 to 10 against the Washington commanders the week before 23 to 16 and then 20 to 17. I mean, that is three games where the team's averaging, you know, 13, 14 points a game. Um, you can't tell me that Dak wouldn't also be three and in those games. And maybe the, the difference in the games would be a little bit larger. I, I think, look, you know, kind of building exactly upon what you said, I think it's impressive what he's done. I think he's made himself a lot of money. Um, and you got to applaud a guy for taking advantage and knowing the situation that he was in where he doesn't have to be a rock star and throw for a ton of yards, throw for a ton of touchdowns. He just has to not mess it up. And as long as he does that, he's, you know, he can win football games and keep the team afloat. And I think it's really funny that anytime a backup gets in and has any success everyone's reaction is, well, should he be the starter? And it's not like the coaches don't see practice every single day. Um, they're around them. They're, you know, hours and hours and hours. They know what they have typically. Now, some guys get in ball, you know, and, you know, have you have great success and, and careers are built that way. But more often than not, what the coaches know about a player is typically right. That's why quarterbacks who are drafted by a team and don't work out and then end up on a different team, the success rate is almost none. Like your best example at ever working out is Ryan Tannehill. And he's made himself a lot of money, but is he anything you can build a franchise around? Probably not. So typically what coaches know, like what they assume about a player is typically right. Um, and so, like you said, if Cooper Rush wants to have a great career as a backup for the Dallas Cowboys, he probably has a job for life. But I just know there's going to be some team who wants to make kind of like a splash pay and he may get one shot later down the road but i just don't see any i mean he could throw the ball pretty well but i just don't see like hey this is a guy you can stake your franchise around yeah my money's on the Colts, probably being like uh hey Cooper Rush, you <laughs> want to come over here because quarterback uh, in six years yeah that'd be... <laughs> we're not having the best of luck over here in indianapolis 
they owe Matt Ryan like 35 million next year. So they're, they're on the hook for a little while. Or, you know, the bear, the bears are looking over at Cooper rush. Like you've, uh, you've, that's true. You've successfully completed more throws than Justin Fields has attempted. That's actually a really good point. I cannot lie. Cause if you go to 15, uh, he had 23. So he had half of, uh, so Justin Fields has 34 completions on the year. Um, he had half of what he's done the entire year just in this game. So yeah, it'd be a pretty massive improvement. Um, I think the commander's gonna be competing for the worst record in the league. So I think they're a pretty bad football team. And I think Ron Rivera will be out after this season. Um, what did you take away from the Broncos Raiders game? Obviously, this game meant a lot to you for your preseason takes. So much. Um, Russell Wilson kind of didn't cook. Melvin Gordon can't hold on to the football, and Garrett Bowles made the funniest attempt at a tackle. Uh, that you'll ever see. You saw that video, right? Yeah. Where he, the guy's already crossing the end zone and he's lunging <laughs> for it. That was just, no, that's one of those ones when you get in the film room, you're like, okay, I wasn't going to get him, but the coach can applaud my effort because I, I dove for it and, and I ran the entire field as a 300 pound lineman. My effort cannot be questioned. <laughs> <laughs> I am dedicated to the cause. Um, yeah, I am just happy to say that after four weeks of uh, saying the Raiders were going to win, that the Raiders finally won. So there we go. Uh, it's the outcome that we all expected and hoped for. Um, no, I, st- I, the Broncos look bad. And there's just really nothing else to say there about the Broncos. Um, I think the Raiders played as kind of like we were as it's been like kind of the expectation of how we kind of expected the Raiders to play. Um, it was really great to see Devontae Adams have some really awesome catches and some fun yards after the catch. Um, so yeah, overall, I just think that I'm very happy the Raiders won. They're now one in three. They've just got this hole to climb out of and then, they're going to be in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny? Derek Carr finished 21 for 34, 188 yards. And Devontae Adams finished with nine catches for 101 yards. So accounted for a high majority of the offense. Obviously, this win is really important for the Raiders because 0-4, you're basically done. Yeah. Um, and it's important, you know, it, it, because they play the Chiefs Monday Night Football next week. Um, which it's in Kansas city based on the history. I'm just going to say that they're going to lose it. But then after that game, they have a good chance to kind of get on a run to get back to even they play the Texans at home um, in new Orleans against saints in Jacksonville home against the Colts and then the Broncos Seahawks. So you're looking at the next after the chiefs game, which I'm going to assuredly say is a loss. I'll be very, very precise. I already know my pick going into next week. They got six games that they're going to be very equal in talent, very equal in skill. Um, So they could run off that mid season run, you know, win five of the games and put themselves back into position to, to sneak into the playoffs. I think their chances of the division are gone because they already have three losses. And I think the chiefs are going to finish with around three losses. So I think they, they, they have a chance to position himself in that middle part of the year. Um, obviously, Jacksonville's a little tougher uh, than they usually have been in the Colt. You know, they're going to be, they still have to go out and win them. Uh, but I don't see anything from the Broncos that make me think that they're going to be anything but kind of like a tough team to beat, but nothing more than that. I, d- I just don't see the offense coming together because there hasn't been any signs. Like there was a, a throw that Russell Wilson made to KJ Hamler. That was a deep strike. 
Um, you know, they had some gashes in their own game, but overall it looked clunky. It looked messy. And I didn't see anything that said, okay, now they're starting to build towards what they want to do. Yeah. And I guess just overall with that division, obviously a lot of talk coming into the season that it was the hottest division in football. Um, Turns out that the Chargers, the Broncos, and the Raiders have all been underwhelming from their performance perspective. So it's interesting to just see how the expectations are adjusting there. Yeah, it's funny. We get bored with greatness and who's on the top of the division, who looks heads and above the best team. I mean, the Chargers, Texas game wasn't really something I've watched, but because it was 24 to 7 in the late third quarter. And then all of a sudden beginning of the fourth, it was 24 to 21 and the Texans had the football. So I think the chargers are the chargers. And I I just don't see them ever uh, being able to compete at least this year, not ever, but this year just kind of seems same old chargers. So uh, the chiefs, I guess, since we're talking about the division, the chiefs put a, a pretty big beat down on the bucks. The final score ended up a little more respectable than that game ever felt. And I just, I, I just think anytime a team fumbles on the opening kickoff, they lose. I, it yeah, just, I, just not a good way to, especially start. when the other team scores in 46 seconds off of said fumble. Yes. What'd you take away from the bucks and the chiefs in that game? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Cause going into that game, obviously we're like, Oh, the offense can't score any points and the defense is fantastic. And then this game, it was like reverse where obviously uh, the offense had a few hiccups in the first half um, on the Buck side that helped the Chiefs propel propel forward, but it was just insane to see the Chiefs' scheme was perfect for the Bucks' defense. Like they just did whatever they wanted to the Bucks' defense and just handedly. It was one of those games where obviously we end forty one thirty one. It doesn't feel as big of a smackdown as it was actually. Um, yeah. The Chiefs were commanding that entire game, and it was interesting. There was the scary part where it looked like uh, Tom Brady uh, was a little bit hurt. Um, and so then worry some thoughts of like, is Tom Brady about to like be pulled out of this game? Um, but he finished the game, but yeah, it was good. I think that two things, one, obviously the chiefs looked awesome. The chiefs are awesome, but I don't think it's like a concern game for the bucks. I think that this is just like one of those times when your defense just doesn't play very well. It was very promising to see them score a lot of points more than they have all season long. Um, and so I think that the, the offense obviously came alive, like, okay, it's Tom Brady. Chris Godwin was back. Mike Evans, there was awesome catches, awesome plays. And so it's their offense is finding the groove. Their defense has been fantastic up until this point. So they're going to get back into the groove. That defense is going to come back with a vengeance this week and they're going to be a really good team. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, um, I mean, look at their division. The Falcons seem to be the toughest um, out for them, and I th- they play them this week, uh, the Bucks and Falcons do, and I think it'll just be a, a, a slaughter. I think it'll just kind of show you that the Falcons will be probably a plucky team, 500-level team. Arthur Smith seems like a pretty – decent coach in order uh, offensive wise to adjust his uh, offensive play calling to match his personnel. Obviously this last week running, I think they ran 14 straight plays against the Browns because the Browns couldn't stop them, but the bucks are going to run away with that division. And by the end of the year, I think they will be clicking. Like you mentioned uh, a lot better because you saw some signs in this game when the wide receivers were healthy. 
Um, and so I don't think with Tom Brady and with his experience uh, and with how good that defense is, uh, that there'll really be any problem for them to, you know, have a high, uh, a high winning record, um, win the division. So get them a good seed, maybe a couple games at home. And when you have Tom Brady on your side, you just never, you know, never count yourself out in terms of the Kansas city chiefs. I mean, it looks like status quo looks like you can pl plug in any weapon and player into the slots for, uh, Patrick Mahomes and he's just going to make it work. Like, you know, he's got Juju Smith Schuster. Um, they have, you know, like, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, let me see. He's made a few. Let me pull uh, Jody Forston, number 88. Like he had a great, uh, he had another touchdown. He had a touchdown on Thursday night football against the chargers. Um, no, Justin Watson is the random one that had the touchdown. So it just, you put him in, Watson makes it works. Reed calls the plays and it all kind of comes together. So I just think it's going to be another great year. And I think Mahomes for me is sitting right up top of that MVP uh, standings uh, early on in the year. That touchdown pass. I mean, just pure insanity. And just like, that's what makes Patrick Mahomes so likable is his athleticism and his like, it's just, just the coolest place. He's just a cool dude. And the thing is, is like, that's what, when you're not when you're not a fan of the team that has the cool guy, right? We've you know Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers in our lifetime, um, you know Brett Favre when we were a little bit younger, um, not so cool anymore. Um, you know Patrick Mahomes, like these guys, Lamar Jackson, these dudes that are just freaks. Josh Allen, um, Justin Herbert. When you have a quarterback that's like for us Vikings fans, um, very well known Vikings fans like Kirk Cousins, who is a good quarterback, very stable. You know what you're getting. The last two weeks has, has led game-winning drives on back-to-back. -back. He's done that a lot in, in a Viking uniform. But when you watch that game and you see he can make a lot of the same like throws when things are perfect, but the difference just comes down to like Patrick Mahomes, the pocket could be breaking down. He could be, be taking down. And that when he just, yeah, that pops up, like he kind of just like kind of shove passes it for a touchdown. Right. It's just like that level is so hard to like, know that you don't have. And that's just, obviously Patrick Mahomes is just a one of one. There really hasn't been like a quarterback like him before. And he's like matched up perfectly with an offensive guru and Andy Reid. So it all kind of it worked together for him. But that's just what's so frustrating when you're when you're a football fan, when you just you have to watch him all the time because he's always in prime time and you just got done watching your quarterback. And I love Kirk. I think he's great. I think he's better than almost, you know, 20 per 20 quarterbacks, 22 quarterbacks in the league. But the gap between like Mahomes and Rodgers in his peak is and you know, and Josh Allen when he's playing at his superpowers and what we have is just like. It just kind of sucks a little bit, you know? <laughs> I know. It's like when you think about it in terms of cereal, like Kirk Cousins is like the cream of wheat or like the frosted mini wheats where it's like it has a lot of nutrients. It's good for you. It will satisfy. <laughs> but like Patrick Mahomes is like the Captain Crunch or the honeycomb for me where it's just like it does more than satisfy. Like it just makes you happy and joyful and excited to live life. And Kirk Cousins just doesn't do that for you. So yeah, it's like we have to seek out other sources of joy from the quarterback position because oftentimes as a Vikings fan, you just like you finish the cereal and you feel still feel like you could have a little more flavor or something added extra. 
Again, I feel like frosted mini wings aren't all created equal. Like some of them have, and it's kind of like exactly like Kirk. Sometimes he's locked in. Sometimes the throws are just banging. Sometimes those frosted mini wings come with a little more of that, like baked in like sugar on top. And it's like, oh, I could eat these without milk. But sometimes it's a struggle to put down, but you just know you have to put it down. <laughs> but uh, but they get the job done. And if you want to hear even better analogies and breakdown of the double doink that was the London game in Tottenham between the Vikings and Saints, we have our Skull Edition podcast that will release um, just covering specifically that game, our reaction, our thoughts, and what we think about the Vikings being 3-1 and one at top of the NFC North four weeks into the season. Um you know, looking at the other games, it looked like a Big 12 game out there between the Seahawks and the Lions. You know, as much as it sucks being a Vikings fan, and I don't want to keep building upon it, but I always tell people it's because we're always so close, but we're never there. Is it worse being a Lions fan? Because, like, this is kind of the year for them, or at least it was building up to be. Uh, and it's, you know, a three-point loss to the Eagles. They beat up the Commanders. They blow, they literally, you know, blow the game against the Vikings and lose by four. And now they lose this one by three, 48-45. Yep. Oh, that's got to stink because if if probably if you could probably say four or five plays, Eagles game, they kind of came back. So I won't count that one. But, you know, the last two games, are, you know, four plays go differently in that game um, for either side. And they could be sitting at three and one in the darlings of the NFL. But now – Kind of just another lion start of a one in three season and kind of stinks. Let me just, I'm just going to throw a stat at you. 77.3% for 1,037 yards. That is Geno Smith. Oh. (laughs) That is Geno Smith right now. The most accurate quarterback in the league as of right now. Six passes, 108 passer rating. Like, just pure insanity. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, the Detroit Lions are that team where it's like, I don't think it's harder to be a Detroit Lion fan, if I'm being honest. I think it's easier to be a fan of a team that's been consistently bad because you just know that they're going to be bad. Yeah, um, I mean, they haven't won a playoff this year, game since 97. Yeah, so it's like you just know, like you just expect – kind of mediocre play from them and also like this is not new to the lions they're always losing by like really close games um but i think the frustrating thing as a lions fan is that like this year you finally have this like spark of hope and you see jamal williams have some really awesome runs you see jared goff playing like an actual quarterback and scoring your team scores 45 points against the seattle seahawks in a non russell wilson era and you lose Mm -hmm. and so it's just especially when it felt like especially coming off close losses to the eagles and to the vikings both who are sitting atop their divisions it has to be so frustrating to be like how did we almost beat the eagles and then we almost beat the seahawks like it just feels like two very very different teams and so i'm sure it's frustrating but also it's not frustrating to the point of like oh we would have gone to the playoffs it's just like why can't my team freaking win games that they should win yeah it's interesting um you read off geno stats for um jared goff the aforementioned jared goff 61 percent, 11 26 uh yards um 11 uh touchdowns and three interceptions and one of them came against the vikings kind of like a hail mary type so 
I wish they kind of had a subcategory for Hail Mary type of interceptions. But anyway, uh, that would be my kind of like solace for Lions fans is although like you've lost these close games, you got to think that the defense is going to shore up at least a little bit. Um, and if, you know, if Jared Goff is going to play at this level, the way he started, you know, through four touchdowns on Sunday, you can take comfort in the fact that he's playing really well. And he was a formal number, number overall, number one overall pick, took a team to a Super Bowl. He's no slouch. And so you can feel think- silver lining like, hey, this he might be the quarterback for the future. He's yeah, young. I think especially like last year stung so much for Lions fans because they lost Stafford. And obviously he was such integral to the the foundation of that team. And then he goes off and wins a Super Bowl. And you get Jared Goff, who had he had a really underwhelming season last year. Jared Goff did not have a great season. It was super disappointing for Lions fans. And so I think that is the that is the glimmer of hope that they have, though, is like, hey we're scoring points this season. Like our Mm -hmm. offense is doing things we're moving. And like, yeah, we're a younger team in terms of experiencing being able to win football games. So we probably will win some close games because we haven't been in these types of games for the past little bit. And so I think this is promising for the lions. I think you're going to see them as the season matures, they're going to get better at closing out these close games and you're going to see the lions capitalize. Yeah, they uh, they play in uh, Foxborough against the Patriots next week. They then have their bye, uh, and then they play the Cowboys, Dolphins, Packers, Bears, Giants, Bills. So a little bit of a tough sledding. The one thing that they can think is uh, they play the Patriots probably the perfect time because Mac Jones probably isn't playing. Uh, Brian Hoyer is in concussion protocol, so you're going to be playing Bailey Zappi. Um, who almost beat the uh, Packers at home. So I guess we'll jump into that. But the Seahawks, my, you know, my only thoughts on that is, look, the division, every team is two and two. So, I mean, they're right in the thick of everything. Uh, that was a big win. I, it's just so funny, the difference between two and two and one and three, I think mentally for as, as a team, especially to fight back from getting your first win, going on a two-game losing streak, and then winning such a wild game. Um, so if you're the Seahawks, like the season's not over and you're right, you know, in line with the rest of your division. The only thing that, you know, stinks for them is they already lost to the 49ers in week two. So Owen one in the division kind of behind the eight ball there. But I mean, if Geno Smith keeps playing like he is, you know, he's putting he's making a case for himself to at least get a little bit more time. Um, no, we've been Seattle. doing We've been joking the past couple of weeks about him saying that we wrote him off, but I really did write him off. So I feel like again. every I feel like every week I'm gonna have to write him an apology letter of like, sorry, I wrote you off again. But he's not even writing back to you, so there's no need to write an apology one. Um, so kind of segueing into into that, the Patriots go into Lambeau. They were nine and a half point underdogs. And that was with Brian Hoyer, who was oh, who's one in twelve in his last 13 starts. I didn't know that when we talked on our pod before, but Brian Hoyer, one in twelve. Make that one in 13 because he'll get credited with that loss as the starter. But he gets hurt on the very first drive, he gets a concussion, and Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky uh gets in a duel with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers throws a pick six in the second quarter. Um, the the uh, Patriots able to find some success running the football and they take it to overtime. Aaron Rodgers gets it done and they win. But 
What do you take away from the Packers in that game? I mean, in a dogfight with a third string quarterback at home where they should have probably taken care of business a lot sooner than that. Yeah, I think that it just shows that I don't know, because I have so much bias against the Packers, right? So like, it's hard for my brain to not just like always want to go worst case scenario for them. Um, But I do think it just shows, I mean, obviously we can just chalk it up to like some, some games are just like a more even matchup than you kind of anticipate. Um, But what I will say is that I think it exposed a lot of the weaknesses that we'd all been concerned about in the Packers. And there's still obviously a lot of things that can be improved for that team to be like the same level that everyone's expecting them to be. Yeah. I mean, obviously the Patriots were averaging almost five uh, yards per carry um, with between Damian uh, Harris and Ramad Stevenson. And that was kind of the problem with the Packers last year. And that's why the 49ers were able to go into Lambeau and beat them because they, you know, chewed up a lot of the clock and, and shortened that game. So I think you're exactly right. I think the, the weakness of running the football on them was shown again. Um, I just, the, the, the vibes, look, I'm a Vikings fan. I'm biased. I know, but the vibes just seem weird in green Bay. Like these, like now it just seems like there's a lot of frustration. There's a little bit of tension. I don't know exactly. Maybe it's just my hopeful heart, but even though they're sitting at three and one, it, it hasn't looked easy against teams like the Bears and a depleted Bucks team uh, that Patrick Holmes just went in and, and put the beat down on that defense. Uh, and now, uh, you know, a very depleted Patriots team as well. So you think with a team with Aaron Rodgers, who's been, you know, 13 and three, 13 or three and 13 and four the last three seasons, you think that that game would have went a little bit easier. But like you said, some games in the NFL, you're just lucky to win them. Yeah, and even when we're just uh, all of us Viking fans, we're just crossing our fingers that the Patriots were going to beat oh, them in, in Lambo. That would have been that would have been gorgeous. Um, the last couple games, uh, what do you take away from the Eagles starting four and zero? They they uh, fell down to a fourteen nothing deficit early in the first quarter. It was dumping rain. They forced Trevor Lawrence to have four fumbles and they end up winning 29 to 21, I believe was the final score. Uh, yes. 29, 21 to the Eagles. Uh, what are your takeaways about the Eagles, about the Jaguars? Yeah. Biggest takeaways. One, I just want the record to state that I talked to at least 10 people and I said, that Jalen Hurts was going to throw a pick six in this game. And it happened so quickly that I was like, yes, all the Jaguars are going to beat the Eagles. Like this is like the pick happened. This is going to be awesome. Um, And then obviously Lawrence fumbles it more times than I think has any single player ever fumbled it that many times in a game four times. Not many. I know that. I know it's truly, truly an incredible feat. So my thing is that obviously the Jags got out to a 14-0 lead. Obviously, it's great. The Eagles look awesome. They were able to come back. Their defense stepped up. Obviously, made some huge plays. But I just want the. But they only won by eight points. And so, yeah. if there's anything as an Eagles fan that I would be worried about, it's the fact that we were able to get four recoveries of the ball to give us field position and give us the ball back. And we didn't stomp this team like that. Yeah. To me, that score should have been 41 
to 19, 41 to 21. Like, it I love the spin been, zone. I'd love it. Like it should have been a lot, a lot bigger gap. And so that's my only thing. Obviously the Eagles look great. My personal opinion, they're going to be like the September heroes and we'll see a little bit of a decline in October. Um, but maybe I just am like still bitter to them about January 21st, 2018. I don't know, but I just think that, <laughs> I just think that, yeah, I think that that was, I'm like, obviously tons of turnovers. Obviously they were down a pretty great deficit in the first half, but yeah, I would say if there's one weakness, it's that they're still like, they're not capitalizing on as many points as they could or should have in these games when they have that many turnovers. Yeah. I, uh, you know, the only reason I, I, I agree with a lot of the points you said, the only thing that I would push back on is that their schedule just kind of it's so easy. It's so easy. Cardinal, you know, they play the Cardinals, a big Sunday night football matchup in uh, in a couple of weeks against uh, Cowboys at home. You know, they play the they play at home against Steelers, the Texas Commanders, Colts home against the Packers home against the Titans. It just is shaping up to where, I mean, if they're not the favorites in every single one of those games, uh, they're, I mean, it's going to be pretty dang close. The only one I can't see them in the next, let me think one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I think it's nine games until they play in Dallas that they're not going to be the favorites in the game, which just kind of shows where they're at currently as a team. And now, like we just got done talking about any given week, a team can cause a bunch of problems for you and a lot of teams that if you get down 14 nothing to them you know the jaguars are a very young team um obviously still learning a lot about themselves um and so if they're going to come back against a team that, that's going to be a good one to do it against but you know if you if you get down 14 nothing to the team like the packers or the bucks or, you know teams that have veterans that you know know how to hold those leads you're going to have a much harder time um, and I even think like a team like the Cowboys that the the um, the Pashers can tee off. And don't forget that last year the Eagles and Cowboys played twice, obviously being in the same division, and the Cowboys throttled them the last time they played. I believe it was Monday Night Football or it might have been Sunday Night Football, but absolutely throttled them. And I think they beat them resoundingly in the other game too. So it, that defense and uh, – I'm spacing the name of uh, the defense coordinator for the Cowboys was the uh, def- uh, the head coach of the Falcons in that Super Bowl. Oh, everyone in the podcast. Daniel, Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, thank you. Dan Quinn obviously has some type of formula that he feels pretty good against Jalen Hurts to kind of keep him a little more grounded and, and in the pocket and have to make those throws. So I still, even after what I've seen, the, it's been more impressive to me to see Cooper Rush and that team real, you know, uh, real off three wins than what I've seen from the Eagles so far because they haven't really put the throttle down on anybody because even the game against the Vikings that everyone likes to reference, they scored 24 points in the first half, yes, but then they didn't score anything after that. Same thing against the Commanders. They scored 24 first half points, didn't score any in the second half. So I haven't really seen like, oh, this is the best team. I just think things have lined up for them pretty well. And so I think that the Cowboys should still be the favorites to win that division. And I would not surprise me if the Cowboys, Dak coming back from injury right around that time, 
go into Philadelphia and beat that team because their defense, um, you know, guys like DeMarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons with a great pass rush, disrupt the, the comfort that Jalen Hurts is feeling um, and end up winning that game and the division as well. Yeah, and it's just one of those things too where like the Eagles haven't played any great teams um, this season. Like they haven't played any of the major teams that are obviously favorites for the Super Bowl. And so it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I think that they're, they look good. They look great, but it's also like, kind of those blinded glasses they do have a super easy schedule the one they do play the cardinals on sunday and the reason that i'm intrigued by this cardinals eagles matchup is that the eagles have been playing really awesome traditionally first three games they played awesome in the first half and not able to yes. convert points in the second half and cardinals are reverse where they're not scoring <laughs> points in the first half but they're yeah. falling out in the second and so i think that this could be a fun and exciting matchup um a little bit a little more frisky than people might think I think obviously the Eagles are still going to be the favorites over the Cardinals, but I think we could see Kyler Murray um, pull, pull a win out on the Eagles. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, kind of the last few games that we haven't touched on, you, you mentioned the Cardinals in the first uh, four games, guess how many combined first half points they have. Seven. Very close. They had 10. They have 10 first half points as a team in the first four you're talking two, you know, if you go four halves, two full games of first halves played and they have 10 points. Just, I mean, when you have a quarterback like Kyler Murray, that's pretty freaking hard to do. <laughs> um, I think Matt Rule's on the hot seat. Uh, I think he's going to be the first coach fired this year. And I think he's going to get fired before the end of the year. I don't think that David Tepper's much of a patient guy. Um, and the way they've lost these games with him supposedly being an offensive dude, there's not a lot of fight. Baker looks lost and can't throw um, the ball very well. So, I mean, I don't know if you have much have any more to comment on that, but uh, the Cardinals are, again, as bad as the season has started, the, everyone in the division is two and two. So chances are still there, but it just seems like they just, it just seems like, Cliff and uh, Kyler are like a bitter old couple that argue about, you know, what they're having for dinner. Like they just seem like they hate each other. Yeah. I still think the Cardinals will be like a 50, 500 team. Like they'll pull out wins. They'll have bad losses. And that's just kind of what to expect from them this year. Cause when you don't have, when it's, when the quarterback and the head coach aren't aligned, like I don't think there's been a team in history that succeeds, like excelled with that oh, type of 100%. drama. So yeah. And then the Panthers. Yeah. Like Matt rules probably just on his way out of there. It's just kind of disappointing play all around. Uh, I bet. How much do you think that Baker's regretting the t-shirts he was selling in the preseason? What'd they say? I don't think I saw that. Oh, he was selling them. Uh, let me, let me pull up. I can't remember exactly what they said. I mean, I think he, I don't think Baker's the type of dude to have regrets. I think he just kind of. Off the leash off oh they were these yeah. t-shirts that said like off the leash all about that get, selling them right before he goes back to the browns and it's oh, just it's just it's just been kind of funny to see how uh, underwhelming his performance has been so apparently That's... he needs to be put back on the leash yeah it seems like the system that the browns are you know i think a, a perfect sign of this i don't think jacoby Brissett's like any like you know i think he's a, a top tier backup quarterback but after week three, there was a moment thinking the Brown system, what Stefanski runs. I was thinking, you know what? 
maybe Jacoby Brissett's that guy. Um, and then he kind of showed you against the Falcons why he has been a perennial backup. So, uh, yeah. But Baker also, like, are the Falcons the better than are the Falcons better than we're all giving them credit for? Like, like, or like I said when we were talking about the Bucks, I think that I think they're plucky. I think they'll go about five hundred. I think Arthur Smith is a good coach that can adjust to his talent. Um, but better. I mean, I guess yes, they'd be better because a lot of people are picking them to be the worst team in the NFL. I never thought it would be that. Um, but you know, if you're saying like, are, are they plucky in terms of going to the playoff? No, I don't think so. I think they've been fairly va- I think evaluated. Just, they, they can just be a little bit thorn in the side for people. Maybe, maybe pull out a couple wins on some fans. <laughs> uh, a couple games we haven't talked about that. I mean, these are top storylines this week. The first being a uh, wildcat play. By the Giants, yeah, the putting Bears Daniel Jones out as a as a wide receiver with his injury and having yes. you know what we're, Saquon Barkley's just doing so good, we're just gonna have him play quarterback at this point. So, yes, uh, that was a fun game to watch. The Giants Bears. Don't act like you watched it. I watched it on Red Zone. Yeah, that doesn't count as watching it because it was hardly on a red zone because these two teams are. It did. We, hey, it was. It, it was it early po- it on. It popped up. It popped up when Saquon Barkley became the quarterback. It 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 popped up early, like in the first half, because Daniel Jones had those two rushing touchdowns, and the and the Bears had one as well. Um, or did they just have two field goals? I think no, they had four field goals in that game. So never mind. Um, so it was in the red zone for like 30 seconds of the day. So I have nothing to comment about this team. I think the giants are the, like are three and one, but here's their upcoming schedule. Packers loss, Ravens loss, Jaguars in Jacksonville loss. They play in Seattle loss, and then they can get a win against the Texans and, and so on. You're so saying, I think you're saying those losses pretty confidently. Yeah, I, I would, <laughs> I would, I'm guarantee, I, I could almost guarantee it. Like I just, I think they I think they're terrible. I think Dana Jones is terrible. I like Brian Dayball obviously getting off two, three, and one stop shows you kind of what kind of coach he is. But and then the Bears, I mean, they don't they don't trust their quarterback to throw the football Dumb at Bears. all. And I mean, he threw it 22 times, which for them is like, oh wow, we stepped into the 2010s. This is a fantastic. Good for you guys. <laughs> they're terrible and they're gonna get absolutely pummeled this coming Sunday. I don't know who they play, but they're gonna get absolutely curb stomped. I'm um, just the, kidding. The, I know. Bears, the Bears play the Vikings. Oh, I know. I know that full well. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, other other storyline. Uh, Zach Wilson led a game-winning drive, and Mitchell Trubisky got benched, and it's Kenny Pickett's time. Kenny Two Gloves Pickett. I will say this. Um, I was watching the game. Well, again, watching Red Zone, and they were in. Uh, Zach Wilson had the ball, and he 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 skipped a pass to the running back, and this was when they were down, you know, two possessions. And I texted some of my buddies. I said, "Zach Wilson is terrible. I don't I don't think he really is any good, personally. Like I haven't seen anything." And then, of course, following that text, he leads back to back fourth quarter touchdown drives and plays nearly perfect football. So. Uh, foot in my mouth. Uh, Kenny Pickett also didn't let a ball touch the ground. Um, 10 for 13 with three interceptions. So the ball never hit the ground once. That's, you know, pretty impressive debut <laughs> for the young man. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know about either of these teams. I think I think the Jets are better than what they've been. I think the Steelers are about to go on like a six game losing streak. Have you seen their schedule? Yeah. Who do they play next? 
Oh, let me. They play in Buffalo. They're 14 point do, uh, underdogs against the Buffalo Bills. They then play at home against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Then they then go to Miami to play the Dolphins. And then they're in Philadelphia against the Eagles. They play the Saints, which finally opens up. But then they go uh, against the Bengals a couple weeks later against Ravens. So the next like six games are, are going to probably be developmental time. And we might see the ascent, the descension of the first season for Mike Tomlin finishing under 500. And then we'll learn that it wasn't Mike Tomlin. It was Benny Roethlisberger. Oh, all along. listen, Ben Roethlisberger is such an egomaniac. He loves this. He loves that they're terrible. The year, like, because last year he took him to playoffs in his mind. He's like, yeah, I, I guided that team in the playoffs, even though it was TJ Watt being an absolute wrecking ball. Um, but in his mind, he's like, yep, yeah, see, I knew it was me all along. Maybe they'll call me to come back because I am the franchise. <laughs> but really, it's just that TJ Watt's not there right now. Yeah, I think if TJ Watt is in is was playing, I think they definitely think, beat the Jets. And I and think they, Zach Wilson would probably be injured and be yeah, out the rest of the season. Probably. And, and I think they would have beat the Browns too. So I I honestly TJ Watt made that big of a difference personally. Yeah, same. He's a freak. Uh Jets have a little bit of a difficult schedule coming up coming too. They play Dolphins this Sunday and then they're at the Packers and then Broncos, Patriots and then Bills. So Bit bit difficult games for the little Zach Wilson upcoming. A little bit difficult. Let's see. Yeah. Um, you know, mainly talked about pretty much everything. Obviously mentioned the Chargers, Texans, um, and you know, Browns, Falcons. That kind of wraps up the week four. The last one would be the Rams 49ers. Um spanking. 49ers just smack down the Rams. The Rams gotta find out any other receiver not named Cooper Cup. I saw a stat that he has 42 receptions and I think that the rest of the receiving core has like 22 combined. So he makes up 60% of the catches for all the wide receivers. He's on like a path to obliterate the single season reception record, but that offense just looks a lot different. They can't run the ball. The offensive line is really weak and all they can do is throw the ball to Cooper Cup. And you saw in that pick six, it was a play that they've run a ton. The safety knew exactly what happened when that wide receiver came up. He immediately planted his foot, went downhill because he knew that wide receiver screen was coming. And sure enough, he guessed right, and it was back to the house for six. So the Rams just don't look right. No, and Stafford throws. Stafford just doesn't look like he remembers how to throw a football. Like half the time. They're, the placement's horrible. It's like way over their heads or way behind them. It's interesting how bad Stafford looks. Yeah, he's uh, dropped from like, I think he was throwing touchdowns on about 8% of his clips last year and it's dropped down to about two. Um, so it's it's been a rough kind of start for that team. The 49ers, I mean, it looks kind of like the same old formula that it's been since Jimmy James ever been the quarterback. Good defense, run the football. And make Debo a Samuel's throws. insane. That's pretty much it. That's kind of yeah. all you need to know about that team. So I think I, you know, if you, you know, had to make me guess, I think that they'd win the division because they're more of the, uh, they've shown more and kind of a proven commodity and what you're getting. Obviously the Rams just won the Super Bowl, so you can't count them out. But I just think the Ram, I mean, the Rams have just looked a little bit out of place and I think it's harder um, to get that offense back in rhythm then it and the defense is better for the 49ers than the Rams have. So be kind of putting, you know, pieces together. I think the Rams, uh, the 49ers actually beat the Rams in a lot of areas. Agreed. 
What a game. What a game. Uh, any closing week four thoughts? Anything that uh, we missed that you wanted to mention? No. On to the next one. Week five coming up. Week five uh, coming up. We're, we're breezing through the NFL season. We have our first few buys. I believe the first buys start hitting in week six. I don't think there's any team that have buys in the coming weeks. Um, so we will preview those um, games on. You'll get that pod on Friday. And again, um, make sure if you're a Vikings fan or just want to see two Vikings fans gloat about the team starting thing one, make sure to check out our Skull Edition podcast where we cover specifically the Minnesota Vikings. And again, please share this with all your uh, friends, family, all those who love NFL football coverage. We release every Wednesday and Friday where wherever you can find all your uh, podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify being the main ones. Um, make sure you like and subscribe and let us know what you think in the comment section of this YouTube video. Thanks for um, tuning in. And again, week five preview coming up later this week.